Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference for today. Uh, Shruti, can you start off this question? Uh, yes, Rebecca. Ravina? Hey, hi. Hi, uh, go ahead. Uh, so I have actually changed my address to USCIS, but I'm not sure whether they'll deliver it to my new address since the case is is been approved today the status got changed as the case is approved so is there a way that i can collect my ead card going to the office or or any other way it really depends on whether uscis updated the address in time when did you file the ar11 um just two days ago i've actually recently changed to the new case And it shows that the EAD is approved today? Approved today, yeah. I would expect then that the address did not get updated um, in time for it to be mailed to the new address. For some reason, USCIS can take several weeks sometimes to update an address from the AR-11. So I would basically plan to need to get the EAD from the previous address somehow. If, um, I mean, USCIS always sends EADs by USPS. So if you have- I did update even them, USPS also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you updated USPS, then, you know, with your forwarding address, then the postal service should forward mail address to you to the old address. They should forward it to your new address but I wouldn't bet on USCIS mailing it to your new address um, if the AR-11 was only submitted a couple of days ago. Is there a way that I can go to the office and collect it or? No, USCIS sends EADs from like their card generation center. There isn't anywhere you can go in person to collect it. Okay, thank you. Danya? Yeah. Um... Thanks so much. Uh, So uh, my question is that um, I'm currently based out of Canada and I have a valid work permit. Uh, My spouse is in the US and I applied for a H4 visa and uh, we also paid the MRV fees. Um, Since it's an expired F1 visa, I was asked to send the documents um, in for the application, basically for the visa stamping uh, in Canada uh, consulate, which uh, I haven't done that yet. But uh, I got picked for the second round of H-1B this year. And uh, when I tried calling the consulate, I was told that they cannot change or cancel the uh, H-4 application since it's already submitted. So is there any concern with 
just making a new DS-160 for my new H-1B petition um, because I've already submitted one? No, that's fine. Um, so if you haven't attended the H-4 interview yet, um, they won't convert that existing appointment from an H-4 appointment to an H-1B. Um, mm -hmm. You will need to fill out a new DS-160 um, when your H-1B application is eventually approved and use the case number from that approved H-1B as part of your new DS-160 and you will need to pay a new MRV fee. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll basically have to go through that process again for the H-1B. Um, but as far as the H-4 appointment that's already scheduled, um, like I said, you can't convert it, but you can withdraw that application um, if you're no longer intending to you know, apply for the H-4 or come into the U.S. on H-4 because of the H-1B selection. You can withdraw that um, H-4 application with the consulate. Got it. Yeah, uh, one quick clarification. Uh, I'm eligible for Dropbox in Canada, so it was mostly just uh, sending the documents and we don't actually okay. we haven't scheduled the appointment. Um, so do I need to withdraw anything with respect to the DS-160 that's already submitted for H-4? Yes, you can go ahead and just withdraw that because it's no longer needed, that DS-160. If you log into the portal, there should be an option for that so that they don't basically you know, process your um, H-4 application. Um, you should be able to reach out to the consulate also if you're having trouble on the portal um, to let them know that you no longer intend to pursue that H-4 because you are applying for an H-1B instead. Got it. Um, okay, yeah, I think that was my question. Thank you. Okay, sure. Thank you. Uh, I posted my question online. Uh, do you want me to repeat it? I can repeat it. Uh, let me see. Um, so, uh, my question is, so I, can I file my B2? Like, so I'm in my grace period right now. So I'm pl planning to file my B2 like a few days before my grace period ends. So, and then the second question is what will, uh, like once I file it and my 60 days are over, I'm in that pending status. And if I find a job, what will be my new employer needs to do? Is it a change of status or is it change of like a transfer? Like what, how? How does that work? Yeah, um, that's fine to file the B-2 application as long as it's submitted before and you get the receipt notice before the 60-day mark, it's considered filed on time. And then when you do eventually um, you know, find another H-1B employer who's willing to apply for um, your H-1B, at that point, they would file it as a change of status from B-2 to H-1B. Even though your status hasn't been changed to B2 yet, you can include a copy of the I-539 receipt notice for the pending B2 application. Um, and USCIS has said that they will basically process both at the same time. They'll approve the B2 and the H-1B at the same time, rather than waiting for the B2 to be approved before they'll touch the H-1B. I have a second so following question. So is there a memo or something from USS in case we ran into any issues for, uh, like later on, like on this, like changing? They basically B just sent a tweet about it earlier this year. Is there something you can post that on your like uh, RN law group, like uh, something so we can just use as a reference point in case we ran into we any issues? We do have an article on our website that I wrote a couple of months ago. Okay. So if you do a search on our um on our blog, on our website, I wrote an article about it. Okay. One last question. Uh, 
just one last question so my grace period ends like uh, on this weekend on sunday so if i file it by wednesday online so how do the uh, receiver receipt like online is it like immediate yes. or like a next day the receipt okay, should so show long... up in your uh my ucs account immediately if it was probably... and i need to yes and i need to use that receipt in future like if i find a employer to give that receipt yes. number for them okay all right thank yeah. you so much Mm -hmm. um hi uh this is for my husband i'm asking um so i have also put the question in detail uh, on the sheet um so like my husband is on advanced payroll currently and uh, he's been in india like little uh six uh le less than six months so uh we wanted to know like how long can, uh, can he stay in india uh, the advance payroll is currently expiring in october of 20 uh, 21st of 2023 okay he definitely needs to come back then before october 21st um has he does he have a valid h1b yeah, the thing is, yeah, he has H-1B until 2025, but uh, he's on EAD. So the thing is, he, um, he has two I-485 applications. So one through mine, uh, where he's a dependent, and one through his, which he's a primary. And he's on the EAD uh, that he got from his employer, like uh, on the primary. But the advance payroll is through mine, uh, because the advance payroll that got applied through his employer got denied, saying that the, uh, he already received it through my employer. Okay. They're not supposed to deny that. I mean, technically, that, yeah. each of you are entitled to both the EAD AP since they're based on two separate I-45 right. applications. But yeah. um, anyway, um, let's see. So on at, his the past, he, yeah. at the time that he departed the U.S. six months uh -huh. ago, was he invalid H-1B status? So right now on his uh, passport, like what I see is there's something called like a DA, uh, it, you know, it says payrolly status and then it says DA slash AOS. Okay, that was from his most recent entry on yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. But when he departed, his most recent departure from the U.S., he said was six months ago. At uh -huh. that time, he invalid H-1B status or he was using the EAD by then? EAD by then okay. I think I would say it's safest for him then to return before the advanced parole expires October 21st yeah yeah but uh is it okay even if after because like uh till August 25th he'll be crossing six month mark so he was thinking to return September first week is that still uh, will that be okay if he returns even September first week that will that be like over be six months that, that should be fine Okay. As long as the I-485 is still pending, I recommend that he carries the I-485 receipt notice. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, that's fine. As long as the advance parole is unexpired and the I-485 is still pending. And then once he comes, we can just apply for a combo card, right? Uh, yes. For renewal. Okay. Yeah, he does need to be in the U.S. Um, that's at the time that the AP renewal is applied for and he'll need to stay here long enough for it to be approved, which could be, you know, several months. Um, if he leaves while the I-131 is pending, then it's likely to be denied. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. Hey, hi. Um, thanks for doing this again. So mm -hmm. um, 
uh, I have gotten selected through my second round of H1B. So um, just wanted to give some background. So I had applied to two companies as part of the lottery in 2023. Uh, one is the company that I work for and the other is the company that I had a verbal offer for. And as part of the first H1B lottery, I got picked for the verbal offer. But that company in April had like a big layoff and my, my role was eliminated. Uh, so I couldn't proceed with that company. Uh, and as part of the second company, I've uh, second H1B, I've been picked for the lottery by the company that I'm working for. Uh, would there be any questions asked by USCIS as to why I chose to not file with company B? And um, I was I was just wondering because comp the 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 second company that I had the verbal offer for refused to give me a, a written offer because they didn't want to be legally um, um, held responsible because they had eliminated the role. Um, for, for these two companies, is there any relationship between the no. companies? Are no. they There's, aware I can of confirm, I can confirm that both of these companies, uh, have, are non-colluding and they have no link whatsoever with each other. Um, was company A aware that you were filing another registration with company B in March at the time no. that they were registering you? No, these were competing offers, right? So I, okay. I didn't. Tell them. Yeah. Okay. If that is the case, then there's truly no relationship between the companies and company A, the company that you are actually working for, had no knowledge of the existence of an, another registration for you. It yeah. should be fine for company A to file your H1B petition based on this most recent selection. It is possible that they will get asked about uh, okay. the other registration for you because we that's the trend that we've seen from USCIS so far. They will just need to be prepared to respond if there is an RFE or notice of intent to deny or something like that. They company A needs to be prepared to respond to basically attest that they have no relationship with company B. They had no agreement or cooperation or collusion with company B that they were not even aware that another registration was being submitted on your behalf by any other company. Okay. Um, but um, once, let's say I get past this stage, right? Would there be any problem during the stamping process? Because I've, I've it's been It's hard to say. I mean, it's still kind of early in, you know, the this most recent lottery is where we saw duplicate registrations on the largest scale that we've seen so far. And so, um, and even the notices of intent to deny and revoke listing the multiple registrations for different beneficiaries that has only started from USCIS, I would say in the last um, less than one year. And so it is still, we're still waiting to see how each different agency is going to deal with multiple registrations. Um, you know, we're seeing USCIS only recently in the last year or so start investigating these. Um, I would expect that at some point the consulate is also going to get involved with investigating them, but we haven't heard of anything so far of consulates questioning beneficiaries personally about multiple registrations. Um, but we can't say for sure that, you know, the consulates won't in the future. If they do, then you just need to be prepared, I guess, to explain or prove that there is, um, that basically there was a genuine job offer from company B at the time that they registered you. 
Okay, is there a way to legally ask company B to provide um, a job offer, a written job offer? Because um, at this point, probably not. Um, okay. I would probably have requested that before they, you know, providing them your passport information in March, um, you know, oh, making sure okay. there was a written offer before they registered you, because that's how it's supposed to work. Companies are only supposed to register people that they have a genuine job offer for. So if there was nothing in writing at that time, it's difficult to ask for something now, especially with companies that are getting, you know, have done multiple registrations for the same beneficiaries and are now kind of spooked with the USCIS fraud investigations. It's unlikely that they're going to provide you anything at this point. Hello. Oh. Thank you. Hello. Sure. Can you hear me? No. Can you hear me? Hello. Uh, uh, Rebecca, yeah, yeah, he's. He's the next client. Okay. Hello. Hi, go ahead. I posted my query in the chat, uh, the link which I, which you shared, Google Sheet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I kind of addressed this earlier also. Um, basically, if you're going to be filing for B2 um, as a result of your um, H1B maxing out, um, you need to get it filed before your H1B expires for it to be considered timely. You don't have the 60 day grace period in this situation because in your situation, you're filing the B2, not because you got laid off, um, but because you're running out of H1B time altogether. So you don't have the 60 day grace period. So make sure to file the B2 change of status application uh, prior, I would say at least a week before your H1B expires. And then um, when the while you're here in the U.S. on B-2, you should not be working um, at all. And then when the company does get your I-140 approved and they can file your H-1B again, they would file it as a change of status from B-2 back to H-1. And if your B-2 isn't approved by then, you need to include the I-539 receipt notice in the H-1B filing so that USCIS can process both at the same time. Okay, thank you. Okay. Sure. Ravi Yes, good, good afternoon, Rebecca. So my end client is same, end client location is same, employer is same. Only we change the job role and responsibility, change the team, uh, internal team, as well as the team manager. So do we need to apply for H1B transfer or we can use the same H1B? I-797. Is it necessary to apply for an H-1B amendment, do you mean? Ah, uh, yes. Um, so has your work location changed? No, no, work location and end client is same. Only we change internal team. And so do you manager. work at home or do you work at the office of the end client? I'm working at office. Of the end client and mm -hmm. you're still going to be working at that same office? Oh, yes. Okay, then an H-1B amendment is not needed. Not required? Right. Job, my job role and job responsibilities will be different. So no need to apply for in that case? If it's not a significant change, um, is it significant enough that your responsibilities are going up and your salary is also going up? No, salary will be same. Yeah, then I would say it's not significant enough to require an amendment. Okay. One question. If perm file in February 2023, so how long it will take to get the perm approval? 
If the perm was filed in February 2023, right now, standard processing of a perm is about 10 months. That's if there isn't an audit. So I would expect like December of this year if there's no audit. Okay. So one last question. Our I-140 is in process due to six-year time limit. We convert the H-1B to H-4. But after her I-140 approval, we can convert the H-4 to H-1B? Yes. Her, yeah. her, her H-1B? Yeah. So once the I-140 is approved, um, a change of status can be filed from H-4 back to H-1B. Um, you would probably want to file it in premium processing because the H-1B would need to be approved before you would have work authorization again. You're not authorized to work based on the filing of the H-1B application when it's a change of status. So probably the company will want to file it in premium processing, but it's not necessary to depart the U.S. and go for a visa stamping. Um, you could just file it as a change of status from H-4 back to H-1B. Okay. What is the due date means in that case H1 um, for if in case I-140 we filed, how many days we need to file the perm process before a six year time limit of H1B? Um, if you want to get an I-140 approval in time to not have to change to H4 in the interim, usually you would need to start the perm process at least two years prior to the six year limit being reached at this point due to the amount of time the perm is taking. Okay, um, we'll have to go into the next caller. Sai? Sai Pani? Hi, hi. Hi, Vika. Hi. Actually, I have filed multiple multiple H1Bs, but I would like to withdraw my petition. So what is the reason I need to tell to USAID while reading while the letter to USAID? So if it's an H1B petition, you as the employee are not able to withdraw the petition. Um, only no, actually, I'm requesting my employer to withdraw. Yeah. So okay. What is the what is the reason I need to mention to employer? So he's asking for the reason. Why are you withdrawing the petition? So the employer also does not need to provide a reason to USCIS. Um. So it's okay. just you know between you and your employer what you want to tell them as the reason. But the company is also not required to provide a reason to USCIS when sending in the withdrawal notice. Okay. Uh. Uh, my second question is, is there any, any complications uh, if I get selected from the, in the next year? So why did you withdraw the initial, initial petition? If you had actual H-1B petitions, more than one filed for you in the lottery this year, even if one or more of them gets withdrawn, I would expect probably there will still be uh, some scrutiny um, because applications were actually filed based on multiple registrations. Um, yeah, so you can try registering in the lottery again next year with a single registration, but it's possible there will still be questions from USCIS. Oh, okay. I am in the ninth year of my H1 and I have an approved I-140. Uh, my current I-797 is expiring in eight months. Uh, so my question is, if I leave US now and come back after two years, and at that time, if I find an employer who is willing to do my H1, will that H1 be cap exempt? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. So you will not need to go through the lottery again. Um, even if at that point your current, your most recent H-1B approval has expired um, at even five or 10 years in the future, um, if you want to come back in H-1B status, as long as the company is willing to file the H-1B petition for you, it would be filed in consular processing. Um, and so you would need to go get the visa stamp from the consulate before you could enter the U.S., but um, you would not need to go through the lottery again. And Unless it can you... be... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and it can be any employer, right? Does not have to be yes. the current... Okay, sorry, you were okay. saying something? No, I was going to say, technically you could undergo the lottery again, but um, there's no reason you would need to because uh, the you said you had the I-140 approval, right? Yeah, I have I-140 yeah. approved with date of June 2016, mm -hmm. uh, priority date. Yeah, so you would not need to go through the lottery again. Again, okay, is there any issues in getting such H-1 approved while I'm outside the U.S.? Okay. No, no, we have done it. Um, okay. Yeah. So the six-year rule doesn't matter, right? That I already crossed my six years of H-1 and I'm in my ninth year of H-1 with an approved no, I-140. as long as, yeah, since you have the I-140 approval, you would just need the documentation, a copy of the I-140 approval notice and copies of yep. your past H-1B approval notices to prove that in the past you were in H-1B status and you had the I-140 approval. As long okay. as you have those documents to provide for the new application later, then there shouldn't be any problem. Okay, uh, and just one last question. So while I'm outside the US and I have this approved I-140, can a new employer start my green card process while I'm outside? Yes, that's fine. Uh, you don't need to be in the US or working for the US company in order for them to sponsor you for a green card. Okay, all right, thanks a lot. Dinesh? Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, uh, good afternoon. So I posted my question there. So uh, uh, I have like EB3 India, uh, the priority date is 2010 mm -hmm. now. And last last month it was re uh, retrogressed. But like last week, like uh, 485 was approved and I got the green card. So do you see any issue there or like uh, uh, we are all good? That should be fine. I would assume that, I mean, let me see. For the July visa bulletin, is your priority date still current? Uh, no, in July, like it was not current. It is not current, but in June okay. it was current. Okay. I would assume then that they had assigned the visa number already to you when it was current and it just took longer for the yeah. actual approval and the green card yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. When I chatted with the Emma, uh, they said like, uh, uh, it, it was not assigned the visa number, but, uh, uh but, oh, uh, but it was like assigned to the field officer. Yeah, in the field office, a lot of times they will assign it pending like a medical exam or security clearance or something like that. So I would assume that's what happens. Okay, okay, sure. Thank you. Yagna Raja. Hi, uh, good afternoon. Hi. Um, hey. Uh, hi, Rabaka. So I have a I have a question on my 45J supplement. So I recently changed my job. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, EB. Uh, I have two 485 applications filed. Uh, one in 2020 downgraded to EB3. Another one okay. is in May 2022 with straight EB2. Okay. Uh, so and there was a success of, of interest also happened uh, sometime in uh, 2022. 
However, I'm not with that employer anymore. I changed my job. I'm working with the state, state agency now using my EAD. So now the question is, um, I need to file 485J supplement for the two pending I-485 applications. Uh, so I'm confused with the job SOC code and the salary uh, offered fields in the 485J supplement. So could you give some idea about what to fill there? Uh, well, for one thing, actually the J supplement being filed to update a new employer isn't always necessary anymore. Um, so what we noticed the past three or four years was that um, USCIS wasn't requiring that the J supplements when you move to a new employer be proactively filed as long as the new employer is willing to provide the signed J supplement if USCIS requests it in an RFE or if you're called in for an in-person interview. Um, so it's not absolutely required that it be filed if you and the company still want to file it, um, that's fine. But as far as the SOC code and salary, the SOC code and salary that should be listed there should be the position that you're occupying with the new company. So it doesn't need to match what is on the approved I-140 petition. It just needs uh, to be the the previous, similar. Sorry, in the previous 485J, it was uh, uh, it was .NET developer with the SEC code one one three two or something like that. But those those SOC codes doesn't exist now. I'm I'm I got a uh, senior application architect role, so which is a career progression, I believe. Uh, but technically, since it's a state agency, the salary is not uh, like what I was getting be before. So it was. That's it was fine. A... It doesn't need to be at or above um, the I one forty wage. Oh, okay. So it can it can be fifteen twenty thousand lesser than what it was mentioned before, right? That's fine. As long as the occupation is same or similar to the one described in your I-140, which USCIS has been pretty broad in their interpretation of same or similar. Basically, if it's in the same field, um, you know, using the same education and degrees that used to qualify for your original I-140 petition, um, that should qualify as same or similar. It's fine if it is, you know, a slightly different um, type of, you know, computer occupation, it's fine if you have been promoted into like a more managerial or team lead role, those are all fine. Um, the only situation where it wouldn't be is if you're changing fields completely, if you're moving into mechanical engineering or, just, you know, becoming a restaurant owner or something like that. Um, as long as it's in the same field, it should meet the same or similar requirement. One last question. So I, I had I have I mentioned about the successor of interest uh, situation as well, right? So my my first employer filed those two 485 applications, and then successor of interest happened. Somebody, some other company acquired, and then they started uh, filing my 5140s uh, for both EB2 and EB3. However, since okay. I'm not, since, however, since I'm not with them, so they got an RFE, and they said they don't, they are not going to respond to the RFE. So that means obviously. The I-140s will get denied. So will it, will there be any impact uh, to my 485 because of that? No, there should not, because I assume the successor and in interest um, situation only came up after the I-485 had been pending for 180 days, right? Yeah, so that's fine. Yeah, so the so two 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 applications, the two, uh, the EB two uh, downgraded one in twenty twenty. That was in twenty twenty. That's definitely across six months. However, okay. the other 
other one that I have filed that was in May 2022. The success succession interest happened in August. Okay. Yeah. So the EV2 I 485 may not um, be considered to have kind of survived because that will be before the 180 days. Um, but you know, at least you have the previous I-485 in the EB-3 category that is definitely still safe since there was no change in job offer or, you know, existence of the company for those first 180 days that the I-485 was pending. So it's true. You may lose that second EB-2 I-485 that was filed because of the successorship. Um, but the first one should be fine. And in the future, if it's if there's a situation where um, your party date becomes current earlier in EB2, um, you can always file to tra transfer the underlying basis. The, another function of the J supplement is to file it to ask UCIS to move your existing I-485 from EB3 to EB2. Um, so you still have the option of utilizing EB2 through that route, even if okay. you lose this pending I-485 due to the successorship. How would I know that the 485J in EB2 is, is not valid anymore? It's pretty difficult to know, because especially since you're no longer with that I-140 company um, and they may not update you about correspondence they receive about the I-140. Um, so if they've said that they're not planning to respond to the RFE, um, I mean, I would basically assume that it's going to be denied eventually. If they're not responding to an RFE, then- But my other one was approved. My other one was approved, right? So I have an approved EB2 petition with my first employer, even though the successor interest company, yeah. uh, they doesn't have to do it is what my understanding, but they did it, the I-140 amendment. However, my initial I-140 EB2 uh, was still approved, right? It's still with me with the approved status in more than 180 days. So do you think still my, my EB2 EB2 I1, uh, I-485 is invalid. Um, which one got the RFE? It's the new one. So the initial company filed two, two I-140s, EB2, EB3, both got approved. After the successor uh, in interest, uh, they they, amend, they tried to amend the I-140s, both of them. Both, yeah. yeah. So they filed two I-140 amendments and they got RFEs on both I-140 amendments. Correct. Yeah. So most likely both amendments will be denied. Correct. Because of non-response to an RFE. Um, but that does affect um, the second one. Even though the I-140 was approved for the initial, you know, EV2, the the amendment requirement is there to because the company that filed the I-140 is considered to no longer exist. That's why a successorship is needed and the amendment is needed to basically update that this new company is stepping into the shoes of the old company. When that's not there anymore, then that I-140 falls through. And if that I-140 falls through before 180 days from the I-485 filing, then that I-485 falls through also. You probably won't really get a notice. You might eventually get a notice from USCIS saying that the I-485 is denied, but it usually takes them a very long time to process those. Um, but the reason why your first one is still safe is that even if um, that's the case, that that first I-140 falls through, the I-485 that was filed first 
remained approved for at least 180 days. So even if they withdraw it completely, if they withdrew your underlying I-140 completely, um, didn't file an amendment, didn't you know do anything, then that one would still be safe. Oh, okay. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thanks for your time. Sure. Um, we will need to close the conference here for today. Um, the next one will be tomorrow at 11.30 Central Time. And uh, if you do need to um, discuss your uh, situation in more detail, there is a link in the chat to make, a, in to make an appointment personally with any of the attorneys in our office. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.